Uh, hey, good morning, church. Again, so good to see you. So glad that you've chosen to spend a little bit of time of your weekend with us. Look, I know firsthand that weekends fill up fast. So thank you for making a church uh, thank you for making church a priority this morning. I do believe that God has something in store for us uh, as we worship and as we explore his word together. We want this church, we want Thrive City to be a place where you can come to know God, where you can find freedom, where you can discover your purpose, and ultimately where you can make a difference. And you know what? The first part is just showing up. So thank you for being here this morning. Before we jump in, like Nick had mentioned, I want to take a moment to just honor the people that came out for our first serve day yesterday. Again, can we just give them a quick round of applause? We are so incredibly blessed with this beautiful building, with this big campus, but we are a new church with limited resources, so we don't have a grounds crew, we don't have a janitorial staff or anything like that. So maintaining this property really is a group effort. So thank you to everybody who came out and raked leaves and picked up trash, and there were some people moving entire trees. Shout out to Johnny. Man, you guys are nuts. Uh, vacuuming, all sorts of different things. So our heart behind that is we want to get this place looking good for Easter Sunday. Uh, a lot of people, just because of the rhythms of their life and the way that they were raised, they really only come to church right around Christmas or Easter. So we want to be able to welcome those people and hope that they experience God. Amen? So that reminds me. I, I got to tell you something, and I, I don't think that I have said this enough over the past several weeks, but I love being your pastor. I love being your pastor. And this past week, I had a chance to spend several days with other pastors from across the country at a pastor's retreat down in South Carolina. Ooh, boy, was I bummed when I had to fly out on Monday morning uh, and leave behind all that snow and go down to sunny South Carolina. But it was a much needed time of rest and relaxation and, and lots of food and conversations with other guys in similar positions. And let me tell you, for a big group of guys, there was a lot of tears a lot of emotion, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration. And as we sat around this large table for dinner, we went around and we shared the highs and the lows of our lives and ministry. I got to see each guy kind of come to life when they talked about their church. And I was so proud. Whew. I'm only like three minutes in. I'm getting teary. I was so proud to be able to share the stories of what God is doing here at Thrive City. And I just want you to know how thankful I am that I get to do this. That even if we don't know each other that well, like maybe we haven't met up for coffee, maybe we don't know each other, but I'm just thankful that I get a chance to speak into your life on Sunday mornings. Whew. Now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> you have joined us for week four of our Easter People series. And so for the past several weeks, we have been exploring stories and circumstances surrounding the resurrection of Jesus. We are intentionally spending several weeks focusing on the story of the resurrection because it is the cornerstone of our faith. It's so important. Not only did Jesus die on the cross, not only was he buried in the tomb, Jesus rose again on the third day. 
Romans 6 verse 4 says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So what we're trying to get at is we are Easter people. The resurrection of Jesus is not just something that we remember or reflect upon or even celebrate on Easter. It's something that we embody as followers of Jesus. So, so far we have looked at the life of Mary Magdalene. We have looked at Joseph of Arimathea. We've looked at the miraculous appearance of Jesus to the disciples in that locked room. And this morning, I want to take a look at a follower of Jesus who missed out on seeing the resurrected Jesus, a man named Thomas. We're going to be continuing our study of John chapter 20. We're going to be beginning in verse 24. Reading through 29, it says this. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. That's weird. Sorry, all of my verses are doubled, so I don't want to read everything twice. This is so weird. Yeah, I could just turn around. When Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands, the mark of the nails, and and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, we worship you this morning. For not only are you stronger than death, you are stronger than any doubt. We worship you as a God of truth, a God in who we can place the totality of our hope, our trust, and our confidence. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience in our wandering. Thank you for being stronger than our questions and more powerful than our discouragements and our doubt. God, may our cry this morning be the same as Thomas, my Lord and my God. Guide our time together. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Did you know... If you're a fan of random facts, you'll love this. Did you know that Captain Crunch, of Captain Crunch serial fame, did you know that his real name is Captain Horatio Magellan Crunch? Some of you just woke up and you're like, what? What are we talking about right now? Did you know that Cookie Monster's real name is Sid Cookie Monster's real name is Sid. Did you know that Alaska is the most northern, the most western, and the most eastern state in the Union? Wow. 
Oh, I knew I'd learned something at church. I didn't know I'd learned this much. Over the course of the past several years, uh, I have found myself becoming more and more of a skeptic. So when I'm in a group of people and someone makes a claim or, or, or says a really random fact that I find hard to believe, I instantly begin to question them. I'm like, unless I see Captain Crunch's ID, government-issued ID, I'm not going to believe that his name is actually Horatio Magellan Crunch. Right? Most of you probably can't tell if I'm like being serious or I'm making this stuff up. I'm being serious. We're all about truth here, you know. <laughs> when I hear things like this, in fact, I, I, I jump to this conclusion that you can't be serious, right? I, and I could attribute this desire for the truth maybe to the growth of, of social media and the, cre- the increasing difficulty in determining what is real, what's fake news, what's true information, what, what's false information. However, I think the growth of my skepticism is directly linked to the ease and the availability of the internet. It wasn't long ago when you would be watching a movie with your family or your loved ones and you'd think to yourself, man, what other movie are they in? I know them from somewhere. And you'd think for a moment and then you would get frustrated and then you would just move on with the rest of your life. But now you can immediately get out your phone and within seconds you are doing this deep dive of IMDB and you're looking at a full list of every movie, every TV show, every project that they have ever been associated with. Anybody do that? Just annoy your spouse to no end? They're like, I don't care. Before the explosion of the internet, this one is really personal to me, you would feel a weird pain in your back and you would think to yourself, well, this is getting old, I guess. Here I am, just feeling weird pains. But now you can whip out your phone and pull up WebMD and immediately diagnose yourself with a plethora of diseases and ailments. Anybody else? You got like every disease known to man? Yep. Listen, my anxiety does not stand a chance against WebMD. I, 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 gotta, I have to stop Googling symptoms. Like, I can't go there. As long as I have my phone and a decent signal, I don't have to believe a thing that you say because I can always fact check it for myself. Right? I need to see it with my own eyes to believe it. Whether you like it or not, you've probably found yourself doing the same thing. And I know that fact-checking Cookie Monster's real name is silly. But that same spirit of skepticism is everywhere, especially in our faith. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, To trust in the Lord, to lean not on our own understanding. But how am I supposed to do that? How can I trust God when I have so many unanswered questions? How can I believe that God has the power to heal when he hasn't healed my loved ones? How can I believe in something like we talked about earlier with the wind? How can I believe in something that I cannot see for myself? Ultimately, how can I find a balance between blind faith and debilitating doubt? That's what we want to talk about this morning as we turn back to the scripture that we read. 
we see that even though Jesus had alluded to his crucifixion and his resurrection several times, it really caught everybody off guard. They just, they hadn't fully understood what he was saying. A few weeks ago, we looked at the story of the disciples and how they had been hiding out in a room together, being fearful that they were going to be the next ones to die. At that moment, they thought that their lives were over, that their dreams were shattered, that their hope for a new future was forgotten. And all of a sudden, when Jesus miraculously appeared in their midst, everything changed. Like we talked about, what started as a huddled mess of men turned into a powerful, world-changing movement as they realized that Jesus was not dead, that he was surely alive. They realized death was no longer the end. They had a renewed sense of purpose and passion. They were now men and women with a mission to go and tell the world about the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Just one small thing. Their good friend Thomas wasn't there. He didn't get to see it. So this passage that we read in John chapter 20, we can really break it up into three different parts. So we're going to call this first part the exclusion. The exclusion. For one reason or another, Thomas was not in the room with the others when Jesus had appeared to them. I can only imagine how frustrating this must have been. Anybody else struggle with FOMO? Fear of missing out? Right, you see, something, you see somebody post something on social media and you're like, man, why wasn't I invited to that? That looks like so much fun, I feel like I'm missing out. I can only imagine how frustrating it must have been for Thomas. After experiencing one of the most traumatic moments in his life, your closest friends start telling you that they have seen your dead rabbi and teacher, one of your closest friends who you were still mourning the death of. Guys, what kind of cruel joke are you playing? What's the matter with you? What do you mean you've seen Jesus? It would have been at this moment that Thomas would have pulled his phone out and started digging around to see if he could find an answer for himself. Guys, I'm, you're playing with me. Let's see what Twitter says. If this is an April Fool's joke, I'm going to be so mad at you guys. In verse 25, Thomas says, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands or the hole in his side, I will not believe. How many of us would have done the same thing? I know I would have. If I had seen the brutality in which Jesus had been tortured and killed, I never would have believed that he had been raised to life again. He was that far gone. But man, poor Thomas gets a bad rap throughout history, commonly being referred to as Doubting Thomas. I had originally entitled this message simply Doubting Thomas. And I got to a point where I was like, that's not fair. That's not fair to Thomas. How would you like to be memorialized for your biggest mistake? Right? We don't call Paul the persecutor. We don't say debauchery David or murdering Moses. So why do we say Doubting Thomas? 
You see, even though Thomas struggled with doubt in this moment because he had been excluded from seeing the risen Jesus and he was having a really hard time accepting what his friends were saying, that didn't define his life, the years that he had spent with Jesus. His doubt didn't disqualify him from fellowship. Even though he didn't agree with what all the other disciples were saying, they didn't like kick him out or say he couldn't hang anymore. As we, read, as we read together, as we'll talk a little bit more in a moment, Thomas was still a part of the group, even though he didn't believe at the time. You need to know this morning that you are not defined or disqualified by your doubt, the questions that you have. We all have questions, and none of us have all the answers. Sorry, my notes just disappeared. I'm having issues. There we go. Sometimes we just get discouraged and overwhelmed like Thomas. And we cry out to God and we say, God, prove yourself. It seems like everybody has a story of God showing up for them but me. Where are you? Unless I get to see it for myself, God, I will not believe it. I'm here to tell you this morning that God is stronger than your doubt. And it's okay if you have questions because they're not going to define you and they're not going to disqualify you. There's a big difference between doubt and disbelief. If you're just flat out saying, I do not believe, I will not believe, I do not want to believe, that's one thing. But if you're crying out to God saying, like, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe that God honors that. So the exclusion, Thomas missed out. He didn't get to see the risen Savior. But eight days later, something happens. So let's call this the encounter. The exclusion, now the encounter. In verse 26, I love how Jesus waited eight days. How awesome is that? Jesus waited eight days to show himself to Thomas. Eight days of questioning and doubt. Eight long days of frustration and disillusionment. Scripture says that eight days after he had appeared to the disciples for the first time, they were together again. And they make special mention to say that the doors were locked. And then all of a sudden, Jesus was present in their midst. Let's take a moment to kind of paint this picture and to imagine this moment together. As they had gathered together in this room, they were probably wondering if it was going to happen again. Was Jesus going to show up? Guys, do you think it's going to happen again? I can almost see the overwhelming excitement in all of their faces as he appeared, only to slowly pan the camera over to Thomas, who was frozen in place. I can imagine that maybe he was thinking, what is Jesus going to say? Is he mad at me? Is he disappointed in me that I wouldn't believe? As with his first appearance with the rest of the disciples, now, eight days later, 
the first words out of the mouth of Jesus are, peace be with you. Look, I'm not here to clean house. Calm down, guys. Peace be with you. As Thomas's heart raced out of his chest, Jesus turned to him and he spoke directly referencing Thomas's objection and his doubt. And he says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Thomas, don't believe, don't disbelieve, but believe. What a beautiful moment. I really want you to take notice of this and how Jesus had approached Thomas. Jesus did not reprimand Thomas or use this encounter as a chance to embarrass him in front of others. Jesus lovingly confronted Thomas in, only, in a way that only he could. Thomas, he said, you needed to believe? You needed to see me to believe? Well, here I am. You see, I believe that God honors your honest questions. I believe that Thomas really did want to believe. He longed to see Jesus, whom he loved so much. He longed to see him again, and his mind simply could not wrap around the fact that that broken body of Jesus that had hung on the cross had come back to life. There was some sort of disconnect in his brain. He's like, I simply cannot believe it. God, I need you to prove this to me. And I believe that God honored his honest question. So for you and for me, in the context of our faith, we cannot be scared to ask the hard questions. A lot of times we feel intimidated walking into church, feeling like everybody knows more than we do. Like, look, I'm new to this thing. I want to learn more about God. But like, man, I don't know any of these songs. I don't know the language that you guys are using. And I'm too afraid to ask. I believe that when we're struggling with questions, when we're struggling with doubt, when we feel like we need to learn more, but we're afraid to ask, I believe that God honors our honest questions. And like he showed up for Thomas, he will show up for you. That when we genuinely cry out to God that, God, I need you, he will honor that. The exclusion, the encounter, and now the exhortation. In verse 28, Thomas immediately repents in this beautiful confession of faith that has now become a pattern for us in the church. And he says, my Lord and my God. What's happening in this moment is immediately the doubts of Thomas have been dissolved as he sees Jesus face to face, as he can reach out and touch him. This signifies a recognition of the divinity and the authority of Jesus. He submits to Jesus, not saying, Jesus, you are the Lord. You are the God. He says, you are my Lord and my God. Jesus follows this confession by saying, have you believed because you have seen me? Yes. Yeah. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
This is a wonderfully prophetic message that speaks to every believer over the course of church history. Blessed are those who believe in Jesus, who have not had the opportunity to see him like Thomas face to face and to place their fingers in his hands and in his side. Blessed are those who embrace their questions, who are honest about their doubts, who seek after God even when it's difficult. This third point I want you to remember is that our doubts can actually deepen our faith. Our doubts can deepen our faith. There's a big thing going around in Christian culture right now called deconstruction. There are a lot of different thoughts and views and opinions about what deconstruction is, whether it's good or not. So let me just give you a quick overview. At its core and as its essence, In its most pure form, deconstruction is kind of stripping away all the unnecessary things in your faith so that you're left with what truly matters. Anybody ever live in like rental properties where the landlord, over the course of time, every time a new tenant moved in, they painted over things? Light switches, outlet covers, doorknobs, anything that got in their way, they just added another coat of paint to it? Sometimes our faith is like that. Every time we come to church, we get another layer of paint of some sort of weird tradition, maybe a belief that wasn't explained clearly enough, some sort of misunderstanding. What happens is we end up just coated in all these layers of unnecessary paint, and all of a sudden we are just frozen in tradition, unafraid to do anything because we're, we're, in, we're, we're just frozen in place by all the different things that don't really matter. So at its core, deconstruction is learning to peel away the different things that don't really matter. Like, look, I love music. It's not always going to sound like this. Culture is going to change. Methods will change, but the message remains the same. So the core of deconstruction is figuring out what is a method and what is the truth of the message and the gospel. So when we use doubt and questioning and deconstruction to actually peel away what doesn't really matter, that can deepen our faith. Because Thomas, in that moment, in the midst of his doubt, he realized what really mattered. All of his dreams and his aspirations for a political Messiah that Jesus was going to deliver them from the rule of the Romans, none of that mattered when he saw Jesus face to face. He just said, my Lord and my God, whatever you want from me. In that moment, his doubts actually deepened his faith. I believe that God longs for us to believe and to walk by faith. Like he didn't let Thomas off the hook that easy, right? He's like, you believe because you saw me. But there's going to be others that are going to be more blessed than you are because they believe and they haven't seen me. I know that you know this, but God is not some sort of magic genie who is obligated to answer every beck and call. But I do believe that God will show himself to those who diligently seek him. Amen? Here's the thing, as we wrap up, I can't give you all the answers. No matter how many Sundays you show up in church, I'm never gonna be able to solve your skepticism. 
That's simply not how it works. Also, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I have it all figured out. My time in Bible school, years in seminary, a master's degree in theology, I still struggle with doubt myself. But I will tell you this, faith is a journey. It is a process. We grow, we change, we are challenged. But like we learned from Thomas, I believe that you are not defined or disqualified by your doubt. There are seasons that we will walk through together where we will question our creator. God, what are you doing? I can't seem to see or to understand what is happening. God, I believe, help my unbelief. We want to be a place in the church where it is okay to say those things. I believe that God honors our honest questions. So don't be afraid to ask. The worst thing that you can do is swallow or suppress your doubt. Because it will grow, it will fester, it will snowball into something so much greater. So if you have questions, talk about it. Read about it. Go to a trusted friend, advisor, or pastor about it. Don't get your theology from TikTok. Man, there's a whole sermon in there. We are living in an age where there's like 30-second theology, where somebody will say something online, and boy, it sounds good. Ooh, I would love to believe that. You know what? I do. So don't go to social media or TikTok or be careful what you Google because you will end up on some really weird, theologically skewed websites. Go to trusted people in your life and ask these questions because ultimately I believe that our doubt can deepen our faith. And like Thomas, like Thomas, our moments of doubt are no match for when God shows up. As I close, I want to talk about what happened to Thomas. Whatever happened to this guy? Church history records that Thomas died as a missionary in India in 72 AD, years after Jesus had ascended into heaven. According to tradition, he was killed by being run through with a spear. And I can only imagine his last words in that moment as the life faded from his body. I can only imagine his last words was that same confession of faith. My Lord and my God, as he gazed upon the wound in the side of Jesus who had been pierced by a spear for him, for me, and for you. That same wound that ended up killing him is the one that brought him life through Jesus. So may that be our cry this morning, even in the midst of our doubts and our wandering and our questions. And God, I I don't have all the answers and, and I don't even know if I want to be a part of this church thing anymore. I just, there's so much hurt. There's so much anger and frustration about what I experienced in the past. And I see so much division and brokenness and corruption within the church. God, is it even worth it? May our cry this morning be, Jesus, my Lord and my God, may me, may I follow you.
is God is stronger than our doubts. He's stronger than our struggle. And he honors our honest questions. If you don't know this already, our heart for Thrive City is to be a place where people can belong before they believe. Like Thomas, still got to hang with the other disciples while he struggled with his doubts. If you don't even call yourself a Christian, that's fine. We're still glad that you're here. I want you to come back next week. We want to create a space for people to encounter Jesus on his time, not ours. Maybe this morning, you would say that you have never been able to make that same confession of faith that Thomas did when he experienced Jesus standing before him. I wanna give you the opportunity right now. I feel like I would be doing a disservice if we left before we had an opportunity to do that. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If that is you this morning and you are crying out in the depths of your heart, God, I am struggling, but I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus, my Lord and my God, I trust you. I put my faith and my hope in you alone, not the church, not the institution, not traditions or different beliefs, but in you alone, Jesus. Only you can save. Jesus, take my life. Do with it what you want. I want to serve you. I want to live in obedience to the things that you have for me. I give my life to you. May I forever be known as a follower of Jesus, that carpenter from Nazareth. If that's you this morning and you are choosing to place your faith in Jesus, to have a saving relationship with him, to begin a thriving life with Jesus that begins now and stretches on into eternity. Would you just let me know by raising your hand on the count of three? Every head bows, every eye still closed. Nobody's looking around but me. One, I believe God loves you so much. He died on the cross for you. Two, you will never be the same. Three, would you be willing to raise your hand? We thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the lives that you are changing all across the room. God, you see these hands, you see these hearts. You see, <laughs> you see our authenticity. God, we just want to chase after you. God, we ask that you would bless our time that we spend together. Bless this church. We, may we be a people known for our love and our faith, even in the midst of our doubts. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.